I, I love the physicality of digging in the dirt. I love the physicality of standing on stage and singing. Um, but with music, it's even though it may be material that you've done forever, it's a one-off. Every gig is a one-off. The tune is the way it is with its flaws and its greatness, and it will never be that way again. Boom, done. Gardening, on the other hand, is you do it, and then it does its thing. <laughs> Welcome to The Gardener's Report, a Pittsburgh-based podcast where we dig into stories about gardeners to explore the work they do and the impact it has on our environment and community. This episode, we meet musician and gardener Bev Rulaire, who walks us through her garden on the Southside Slopes. Well, my name is Beverly Rolaire, live on the south side, uh, just at the beginning of the slopes. Um, fairly recent Pittsburgh resident, only been here, you know, last year was kind of a non-year, I, I, I don't even remember, uh, but been here for two years. So this um, yard that I've got is amazing. You kind of have to be a mountain goat to deal with part of it. The former owner planted a lot of stuff, which I'm sure was very small when she, especially the shrubs, when she first planted them, but now they're getting big and out of control. <laughs> What's the, the hardest part of the yard to get to? Well, there's two hard parts. Um, the front yard has one steep hill. I have a hard time getting to it. Deer evidently don't. <laughs> and uh, I've been trying all kinds of products to keep them at bay. There's one called Deer Scram, Deer Out, you know. Um, and it's sort of worked. And I think partly because now they've got stuff that they can get to like but during the winter it was really bad and now I have a woodchuck we have you know I live in the middle of the city but I have a lot of critters <laughs> yes yeah, so I, I know um, the, the deer can just decimate things and uh, particularly your shrubs uh, the arborvitaes I know you've, yep. you've had a lot of interesting challenges uh, dealing with those well the arborvitae were really interesting the, the deer really did um, do serious damage to them. They were looking really ugly. And I have two different varieties of arborvitae. One grows pretty much on one single stem and it's um, more, more like a single tree. The other variety grows on several stems. And that's the one that the deer went after mostly. So what we ended up doing was we cut off all the lower branches and um, that seemed to deal with the deer problem. And then last year when we had the couple of the heavy snows, the arborvitae are not super strong. So they were leaning way over. So we ended up using just zip ties and tying all of those uh, stem trunks together so that they're they're more tree-like now and they seem like they're more stable so i'm hoping that that's going to be the answer for them 
<laughs> that's great. So how did you get into gardening? What, what's, what, uh, how long have you been gardening and, and where did it all start? You know, I have to think that it was my grandmother. Um, there was a running family joke that if my grandmother was ever calling from jail, it was because she was stealing plants from the botanical gardens in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and we had a beautiful uh, backyard. My grandfather grew grapes, made wine every year, and my grandmother grew flowers. I mean, and I was always digging in the dirt, and it was just a fun thing. It wasn't until much later, um, actually after I got out of college, that I started getting into houseplants, and then that kind of grew, you know, once I hit the bona fide hippie years in the 70s, um, having, you know, having gardens with vegetables out, you know, outside. And uh, it's just continued. And so you said you're just here to Pittsburgh recently. Where are you coming from? Coming from Connecticut. And... Um, Interestingly, similar similar acreage, you know, just about, we have just about an acre here, and we had just about an acre in Connecticut, and um, I had lots of shrubs and beautiful, we had really beautiful gardens in Connecticut, and a lot of, um, a few shrubs, virtually all of my houseplants um, made it from Connecticut to Pittsburgh. How did you do that? <laughs> um, yeah, because it's against the law. I don't know if you know. It's against the law to transport plants across state lines. I did not know that. Um, <laughs> and I am guilty. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but that's if, you know, if you, your moving company is doing that, they cannot do that. Mm. But fortunately, we, one of our trips, we made several moving trips here was in a U-Haul van that we drove, mm -hmm. and that's how the plants got here. Um, a couple of them, like a very huge cactus that we have, was touch and go. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but it, it made it, and uh, and it's great. I have a, a room here in, in Pittsburgh that is just, it's just a plant room, and it's wonderful. <laughs> that's great. And so... Um, with your, your gardening here outside, you've got uh, an interesting mix of vegetables on, particularly on your patio, and yeah. then you've got, uh, you know, these wonderful hillsides full of uh, everything. So you just want to talk a little bit about the plants that you have and kind of the, the ones that you've selected and, and why. Well, um, the outside, you know, on my patio and stuff is mostly vegetables and herbs because I use those in cooking. I like to cook, and I love having fresh stuff. So that's pretty much the patio. I don't really have much decorative stuff there. On the grounds, what I'm trying to do, and it is going to be a several-year pursuit, is figure out the plants that are, number one, deer-resistant, Number two, perennial that are going to keep coming back and start to hold the roots system, start to hold my hillsides uh, from, from just sliding down. So that has been my approach. So I have uh, some flowers 
um, I have some daisies and columbine and um, phlox and let's see what else. Um, a juca, I want a bunch of um, ground cover, so I've planted, you know, this is on top of what was already there. Uh, a juca and what else? I'm about to buy some hellebore. Mm. which uh, is going to take the place of some hollies. I, I can't believe that deer eat holly. With all the pointy, sharp leaves, They I, I guess a hungry deer will eat anything. That's what they say. No, <laughs> no plant is truly deer-resistant if they're hungry. So, uh, But I'm trying very hard to make my property as unfriendly to deer as possible yeah and so now what um have you what have you had the greatest challenge with have you there what have um what plants have you tried and tried maybe multiple times and just been unsuccessful with or um or maybe you did has been too aggressive and you've had to to fight it back well um the former owner planted a lot of um barberry and it's it's very very happy here but you know it'll hurt you <laughs> so when you're having to prune it which I do have to prune these shrubs that are you know much bigger now than when she planted them it's just it's just annoying um, but all of you know all of my shrubs are doing really really well um, I did have one problem that Anthony helped me with um, which was I have these crab apple trees on the back of my house, south facing, and um, there were cypress planted underneath, and uh, evidently not a good companion uh, combination. The apples were getting this this weird rust, rusty leaf disease and quince it, rust <laughs> what's it called quince rust quince yeah. rust and it was it was just really unsightly but we got rid of the cypress and now the crab apples are looking really happy so that was that was a major challenge um, we also had uh, some some junipers that were not happy we're not exactly sure why they weren't happy but we replaced them with um, rhododendron, and they were these beautiful, cute little rhododendrons, and then the deer like ate every leaf off of these plants, but fortunately they're coming back. So, <laughs> but oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so that's, that's been a challenge. It's, it's really disheartening when you go out and you look and you can tell either by footprints or by bites bite marks that they've eaten that they've been eaten by somebody so uh that that's been the biggest challenge without and, a doubt and so you've brought some plants from uh from connecticut yep. and you, some of those transplants have been successful yes uh i brought ground cover from connecticut i brought a bunch of geranium which is starting to really thrive now it was it's sort of took last year you know I could see that it took but it's thriving now and it's starting to spread and it's a really good spreader so I'm very very um, happy about that and I also brought some some lamium 
um, and that's starting to take off. That's a nice shade ground cover. I'm not a pack of Sandra fan. Uh, it's it's a great ground cover, but I, I don't know what it is about Pacassandra. I just think it's generic or something. It's, it's a little boring. <laughs> it's, it's definitely boring. So And there's, there's a bit here, but um, so my geranium took off, my lamium has taken off, and um, what else? There might have been one other, one other plant. I'm not sure, but I'm really happy about the geranium. It's doing great. That's great. And so now what, um, I guess, what inspires you to learn about plants and, and, you know, where do you go for your information? Like, how do you, how do you learn about the different plants that you're getting? And I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of trial and error in it, but, um, I guess what, what fuels your, your, your educational background on it? Okay. I would have to say that I am a jazz gardener. I am a musician and when you're talking about jazz in particular, you're generally talking about improvisation. So that is the way that I have um, gardened for years, just by the seat of my pants. Oh, that looks nice. Okay, and weeds, put a border around them, and they're not weeds anymore. They're <laughs> plants that, you know, <laughs> so... Accidental flowers. <laughs> accidental flowers. Um but lately, well, you, Anthony, have turned me on to iNaturalist, which is great. So I'm actually finding out what some of these weeds actually are and whether I want to hang with them or not. Because some weeds are kind of cool. Um, and uh, also, especially with, with vegetables, I'm always looking for companion plants because certain plants do not get along. And um, so that, but the, the biggest thing, you know, technology, just if you don't know the answer to the question, you Google it, you know, <laughs> that's, that's it. So Google has been my, my go-to for a lot of stuff. I have a couple of friends, one, one friend uh, who I'm going to talk to very soon, um, who used to work at the Botanical Gardens in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to talk to her about a couple of things. I have this one beautiful Japanese maple that I need to prune. The pruning of it's not the big deal, but it's surrounded by a bunch of other stuff that I'm not sure what it's going to do. And the other stuff is going to crowd it. And so I'm trying to decide, you know, and the deal with, with shrubs is... Shrubs are fairly easy to transplant and, you know, hopefully they'll make in the transplant. But I have a couple of trees. I have some spruce right next to this Japanese maple and I'm wondering, do I just get rid of the spruce? Do I keep the spruce? You know, so I'm going to ask her because she, you know, dealt with a lot of trees at the Botanic Gardens. That's and great. And I'm not much of a tree person. I don't really know much about trees at all. Trees are like a whole other thing. Yeah, <laughs> they really, yeah. they really are. Um, so yeah, being relatively new to Pittsburgh, um, mm -hmm. what do you make of the the Pittsburgh gardening scene? Um, have you you know noticed other gardens? You know, is the, have you noticed a distinct style here, or um, any anything in particular that kind of is different than what you've seen in other places? Well, um, I can't say that specifically. 
you know, I've moved from a very suburban, you know, single house neighborhood in Connecticut to pit, you know, to an urban, to basically an urban area. And what's wonderful to me is, you know, the, the trees, and I'm not sure, I mean, the red buds, there are red buds everywhere. And I, I love them. They, they are, they have so much interest all year long. Um, but the, the, the city plantings are, are really nice for the most part. Um, and I have, you know, other than going to the occasional farmer's market, I haven't really gone to any community gardens or anything to see what's going on there. So, uh, can't really answer that question very well. Okay. And, uh, I guess, so from your background as music, what I'll ask the same question in, in that sense, um, you know, what do you think is the, uh, have you noticed about the music scene here in Pittsburgh and is there, um, you know, how, how does that stand out from, from other cities? Well, we're from, you know, we're from the East Coast. Uh, my husband and I, John Colby, who, um, by the way, is the composer of the iconic Sports Center theme, da-da-da, da-da-da. Um, we work with some of the heavy dutiest great musicians back, you know, in the New York and Boston areas. Um, it's been difficult here in Pittsburgh simply because just when we got all of our boxes empty from moving um, and we were starting to look for musicians to play with, COVID hit. So um, it's been, that's been a, a, a really big challenge. Uh, we have found some people that we really like and what we did all during the year and we're in the last stages of right now is a, a new record. So we've got 10 tunes on this record and uh, we've used musicians from all over. Some um, Pittsburgh musicians, the uh, Steel City Brass, are outrageously great brass section. Um, and uh, the lyricist uh, that we collaborated with, his name is Mike Sweeney, he's a bass player. And literally when we met him, he wanted to get together and he came in literally with a grocery bag like a just a basic brown paper grocery bag filled with lyrics so we kind of culled through the you know some of the tunes and um you know we took these tunes and reworked some of the lyrics and all of this this record is all a collaboration of his uh, his stuff and it's it's great and John is you know my husband is a producer so we've got um, we've got something that we're very very excited about and along with figuring out distribution like who listens to CDs anymore <laughs> nobody I don't even think they have CD players in new cars anymore yeah I don't think so <laughs> um, so <laughs> So along with figuring that out is... Um, Although records are uh, still here. Yeah, they're, they're here still to stay. here. They're actually making a little bit of yeah. a comeback on vinyl, which is which is kind of cool. 
my uh, a friend of mine said that his kids asked for a record player for Christmas. So, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? But uh, we're dealing with the artwork. Uh, I think Baron Batch is going to be doing the artwork for us, who is one of the iconic Pittsburgh artists. You see his work on sides of buildings everywhere, the elephants especially. He has a lot of elephants, so if you are into murals, you definitely know Baron Batch's work. And, um, and then just figuring out places that we're going to play. We, we have only played a couple of places so far. We played at uh, Thunderbirds uh, before they closed up for COVID. Uh, we used to play at Wolfie's. They're completely mm -hmm. gone. Um, and we played at Excuses. They're still there, but, and, and what's the place? Um, the Poor House in Carnegie. I can't think of, can't think of the full name. Uh, Richard, is it Richard's Poor House? No. But at any rate, um, so this is, this is the, the big push now, getting back to, getting back to gigging. Yeah. which we miss very much. So. Yeah, and as someone who appreciates music and gardening, I, I find that there's something very similar about the act of doing both. You know, you can really kind of get focused in. It's like a laser focus, and, and it just kind of becomes a very organic process of, uh, of working with, with something that has, you know, such a physical and, uh, you know, almost an emotional sense, too, and with both gardening and uh, and music, I guess, do you want to just talk a little bit about, um, you know, your experience, uh, any similarities that you see between the two? Um, I, I think for me, they're very, very different. Um, <laughs> I, I love the physicality of digging in the dirt. I love the physicality of standing on stage and singing. Um, but with music, it's even though it may be material that you've done forever, it's a one-off. Every gig is a one-off. The tune is the way it is with its flaws and its greatness, and it will never be that way again. Boom, done. Gardening, on the other hand, is you do it, and then it does its thing. <laughs> Um, you know, you get it just, you know, kind of nice in the springtime. And then by mid-July, early August, it's like, what the heck happened? You know, everything is going crazy. And, um, you know, you're just, you're just trying, you're just trying to keep it together. Um, and, uh, so to me, that's, that's very different, but with gardening, you know, you, you do have that feeling of it's more like being it's more like parenthood it's more like being a mother these are my babies and they're growing and they're happy like for instance right now my orchids are doing fabulously I have a couple of them that are not great but most of them are just as happy as they can be and um, and that's what gardening is more like for me that's great. Every one of my house plants has a name. <laughs> I can introduce you to every one of them. They all have names. <laughs> that's great. So, um, yeah. So that's that's more like I. I really, I don't know. I've never thought of music and gardening as being that similar. 
<laughs> Interesting. So um, you also have some unique things uh, in addition to the hillsides that are not as unique here in Pittsburgh. You have a lot of water features, which are a little more unique. Yes, we do. Um, do you just want to talk a little bit about the challenges and opportunities that those have? Um, well, we have a waterfall and we have a fish pond. Um, the waterfall is just, there's something about the sound of flowing water that is just um, meditative. Uh, our, our one room, my plant room, is right near the waterfall. And so in the morning when you do your meditation, it's just wonderful to have that sound. Um, there been a, a little bit of, you know, the, the challenge that you helped us actually with was getting, um, recycling the water so that it's always flowing and you're not having to fill it up because there is evaporation, an, an evaporation factor with the waterfall. But, um, and we have some great um, greenery grasses growing at the top of the waterfall, which is great to help uh, filter the water, but it's a very aggressive grass, so it also will stop the flow of the water <laughs> if it's let go. So you have to stay on top of that, but that is a great feature. And our um, fish pond is just wonderful. We had a disaster last year. Um, was it last year? It might have been the year before last. Um, we were still in the process of our move, and we got here. The, all the water was gone, and all the fish were dead. Um, and it was a pump problem. So um, I think we've uh, we've addressed that, and we will not have that problem again. But that was that was awful. And now we have about fourteen um, fish. Uh, mostly koi and a few goldfish and they're happy as they can be and they're a little bit like they're a little bit like spring bulbs you don't see them all winter long um, you know you keep a bubbler in there and a, and a heater so that the ice doesn't freeze over solid they do need oxygen but you you don't see them they go in these crevices and they're they're just not there and then all of a sudden in spring they all pop out and they're, they're great. They're great. And most of them have names. So that's great. Um, so I guess my, my last question, do you have a favorite part of your garden? Or is there a favorite section? Um, wherever I'm working is my favorite section. <laughs> um, that's, that's pretty much it because I, I really, each, each section is different, has different, um, challenges and different uh, plants that I love. Uh, I mean, we have this beautiful maple tree and this beautiful smoke bush in, in one of the gardens. I have one garden that is where I will traditionally, you know, plant some annuals just for that color splash. And so that's really fun. My, my back garden is like this wild place. And, and I, and I love that. And you know, it's wherever I'm working. Whatever garden I'm working in is my favorite. That's great. Thank you so much. Of all my babies. <laughs> okay, so um, where can people find your music? 
So people can find our music at the Colby's Band. That's C-O-L-B-Y, Colby's Band.com, actually .net, .net. Uh, online, um, we have a lot of our old stuff there, and um, there will be new stuff there soon, uh, the stuff that we're working on right now, um, and there will be videos too. You can actually find some of our stuff on YouTube as well. Oh, great. So, yeah. You know, since I did mention John and uh, ESPN, I have to also mention Beauty Slap. Yeah, absolutely. Which is my son's band, Gabriel Colby, and um, he is also a, a Pittsburgh uh, music person and the, uh, a great a great band, and they are starting to play again, and I will be going to check them out. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. The Gardener's Report podcast is produced by the Pittsburgh Gardener's Report. Find us online at gardenersreport.com to learn about soil, plants, recipes, and the people who make our world better through gardening. I am your host for today, Anthony Stewart. Thank you for joining, and we hope to see you in the garden.